Hi. We now have a Patreon page. For as little as $1 an episode, you can help support our new season and upcoming seasons in the future. To thank you, we will plaster your name on our website and e-newsletter. Go to memoriapodcast.com and click on support us on Patreon. And if you don't want to be a Patreon, you can still make a one-off donation by clicking on our donate button on our website. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Nat V and welcome to Memoria. Bite-sized flash memoir and poetry coming to you every fortnight this season. Each story explores a moment that shaped a writer's life. The following story is called The Eyes of the Bird and it is written and read by Rain Collins. Here is Rain to tell us how she came to write The Eyes of the Bird. Uh, watching an amazing show, Trapped About, uh, which was a crime drama, and just realising that the village I stayed in, Alafshidor, and Siglufjorda over the, over the mountain range, you just don't forget them. Like, you recognise everything. You remember the chain link fence. You remember the sound. I remember the fish smell. I remember every part of it. Just the senses were so alive there. And I wanted to capture that somehow. And I also wanted to write myself a little spell to get me back there, even if just in a short story, because I I miss it. I miss it so much. So my novel set there means I can dip into it all the time, but just that cafe and the people coming in and the angst of the alcohol store being closed, um, I wanted to remember that too, and that's what stories are. They're for people listening or reading, but they're for me too, so I remember these things. I may have slapped my man's arm when it came on screen. That's Siglifjorda. I squeezed his wrist in delight. He was more sceptical. The TV showed a fence flecked with snow in front of a grim cinderblock building. The soundtrack was in Icelandic, plaintive and melancholy. The scenes in this new series were so bleak and cold, we almost shivered on our couch. To him, it could have been any town, but I knew better. I had stood at that bus stop at Siglifjorda Primary School with a bottle of red wine under each arm, counting my krona coins for the bus ride home as children threw snowballs over my head. When the episode ended and I saw, filmed in Siglifjorda, I wanted to reach out and lovingly stroke the word as it rolled past. My reasons had not been terribly noble for visiting this small town, however. Tucked away at the top of Iceland, just a few miles shy of the Arctic Circle, The population had been shrinking since the herring disappeared. Still, it was double the size of the even tinier fishing village I was living in, just over the mountain range. My village was set in the most beautiful landscape I'd ever seen. I shared a house with other artists, and had my own writing studio. It was idyllic, peaceful, and so inspiring that I set my novel there. I loved the song it sang, of ropes creaking at the harbour, turns squawking over fish bones and that beautiful crunch of my boots on snow. My village had only one floor. There was nowhere to buy alcohol. It seemed a small detail in the first week, when I was too spellbound by my surroundings to notice. The second week, I could have done with a Pinot Noir, but my riding kept me busy. When I heard in week three that the next village over had a bottle shop, 
I was waiting for the school bus to Siglifjorda, surrounded by shrieking Icelandic children. Alcohol is not a necessity when traveling, but it does help. It helps when the cold is so fierce your phone screen cracks. It helps when your housemates visit the local fish factory and realize, too late, that the stench of fish gut stays embedded in clothes for days. It helps when the avalanche sirens make you jump, when you step into a snowdrift and sink to your thighs, and when the lack of fresh fruit makes you Google, what are the signs of scurvy? I was likely not the only rider for my artist residency to have caught an early morning school bus across the mountain range for a bottle of wine. Judging by the stares of the school kids, however, I was the only one to do so with leopard print earmuffs and Medusa tattoos. There's a lone chain of stores allowed to sell alcohol in Iceland, with one shop in Siglifjorda, and it was closed. My dismay must have been comical, a red riding hood figure stamping around in the snow and swearing in broken Icelandic. I had five hours until it opened. Killing time in an icy fishing village is quite the challenge. It was minus 15 degrees, with a constant flurry of snowflakes. Sitting in a park and riding was not an option. I headed for the only cafe. I ate delicious Kleiner, donuts made with sour milk and cardamom, and wrote while I sipped black coffee. Listening to the clatter of cutlery and conversations was warm, peaceful and cosy. It was also temporary. At midday, the bell of the door began clanging. A solid stream of workmen stomped in, all headed for the buffet of hot soups and steaming fish stews. I jumped each time the bell rang. I counted seven, ten, twelve of us, until my teeth were clenched at the noise and movement swirling all around me. I fled, the door banging against the wall. It was only when I reached the harbour's edge that I realised my month in the north had been so silent and so solitary that the presence of only a dozen people had been enough to necessitate escape. I walked the length of the village in the snow until the bottle shop opened. I bought two Merlots for $70 each, still not accustomed to the exorbitant price tags ascribed to Icelandic daily life, and I waited at that chain-link fence for the school bus to arrive, the door hissing open to the weary Australian with pagan tattoos and wine tucked under each arm. I went to Siglifjorda once more during my residency. At a flea market in the church, I bought a taxidermy dove named Olaf. I loved him immediately, even though his tail fell off. A Finnish artist at the market nodded solemnly and said, You have the eyes of a bird yourself, you know, as we drank hot chocolate muddied with whiskey. I didn't know, but I took it well. A local painter told me her exhibition was called Northerat, Northwards, because she's always drawn there. She tapped me on the arm and said, A bit like you, no? I took her comment home with me across the mountains and over the snowbanks. I brought it into the warmth of the house I soon had to leave. I listened to the wet thwacks as the snow hit my window, my shades open in case the aurora borealis danced overhead. I drank in the Iceland that surrounded me, wanting to pin everything down before I left it, every bird core and boat creek. I needed it in my memory so that years later, when I saw a snippet of chain-link fence in a Nordic noir crime drama, I would immediately know where it was. In front of the TV screen, I almost felt the cold of the bus stop. I could remember my red riding hood up against the snow, and the weight of the kroner in my palm. If I waited, 
if I close my eyes. I could even remember the sound of the school kids as they tumbled towards the bus, boots crunching on snow. Momori was hosted and produced by me, Nat V. The short story, The Eyes of the Bird, was written and performed by Rain Collins, with sound design and edit of the story by Jen Farrow. Our superb illustrations are by our superhero, Peter Manning. Music in this episode is by The Blue Dot Sessions. Memoria comes to you each fortnight. You can hear our previous shows and see a schedule of our upcoming episodes on memoriapodcast.com or you can listen to us on any good podcasting platform. And we now have a Patreon page where you can support our upcoming episodes for as little as $1. In return, we will thank you by plastering your name on our website. If you love the show, please leave us a review and help us spread the word. Until next time.